So we have Justin Shackle, who's a Yankees reporter, on with us today for the Grunt Talks podcast with my co-host, Bobby Thompson. Mr. Shackle, thank you for coming on. We're thank you very today. much for this. Thanks, guys. Uh, pleasure to be with you both. So we have a lot of craziness going on right now. This is a yes, good time do. to get you, but we have a million questions right now. So I'm going to start you off with the Yankees injury fiasco. What do you make of all this? Like, what do you think the problem is? I don't think there's something that you could put a finger on and, and directly correlate to all the injuries. Uh, I will say this, the, the last week or so, I felt like made 2019 uh, look, uh, you know, inferior, so to speak, because the, especially over the last, you know, 24 hour period heading into the, the weekend, you know, here where, where this series against the Mets has been postponed, but, you know, in a span of, Less than 24 hours, you have Zach Britton go down. You have James Paxton go, go for an MRI. We, you know, we've heard that report say that he has a flexor strain, which uh, you know, sometimes is a precursor to Tommy John surgery. Right. So not the worst news right now, but uh, you don't want to hear a flexor strain either. And then you have Glaber Torres, where it looks like he's going to be going on to the injured list as well. And then you think about all the other players that are already there. You have a lot of soft tissue injuries. It's been the case like last year. Uh, and, and, you know, the Yankees revamped their whole uh, strength and conditioning uh, program. They, you know, they hired Eric Cressy from the Cressy Sports Institute to kind of oversee all that. And then here we are with, what, with, with these injuries that are still popping up. So it, it's tough to put a finger on. I'm sure, obviously, the Yankees are, you know, trying to see if there's any type of correlation here as well. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you can chalk it all up to bad luck per se. Uh, and it's been nice that, you know, they've been helped by the depth that they've built. But at the same time, the shoe on the other foot eventually has to drop. And it, it's been frustrating, especially if you're a Yankee fan and you watch these guys go down one by one. Right. I'm just trying to figure out like, why it keeps happening. They change the training staff. There's no like, correct answer, really. I know it's an impossible question to ask, but I was really curious with your perspective on it. And I also want to follow in your footsteps and be a reporter for the Yankees, which is why I was very interested in having you on. So I guess I'll ask you right now, what are some good advice and tips for stuff I could be doing during the quarantine to keep myself fresh? I think what you're doing right here, man, I mean, you know, you, you host a podcast, you're, you're, you're talking, you know, and, and that means that you're, you're, you're building reps, so to speak. And, you know, the only way you're going to get better in this type of profession is by doing it. It's a craft. So, you know, you, you kind of have to put in your, your 10,000 hours, so to speak, and just constantly practice. It's no different from, I guess, you know, learning how to play an instrument. You, you obviously can't play piano overnight. You got to keep practicing. So, I think doing what you're doing here is really cool. You know, you're hosting a podcast, you're talking about stuff that you like, and I would just say continue to do that, especially in, in times like this, when unfortunately this industry, like many, you know, has, has kind of dried up with, with as far as, you know, opportunities and chances go. Hopefully, you know, we're closer to the other end where there's a reverse in that. But, you know, as of right now, I think, uh, I think what you're doing right now is, is, is great, and it's probably as much as you can do. So, uh, you know, keep it going. Thank you yeah. so much. I appreciate that. Yeah, I uh, thank you for that because I'm trying to do the same thing. I'm, all, I'm trying to get into the football field. That's more of my uh, forte. And uh, am I not mistaken that you went to Iron Eagles Sports Broadcasting Camp? Yes, I did. Uh, so did I. I. I did you? Okay. Yes, I, I did. I went there uh, many moons ago. Yes, I think me too. I almost doubled my 
uh, my lifespan on this earth <laughs> from the time that I went there. Almost, not quite, but yeah, um, I, you know, I, I graduated high school and uh, that was, I, you know, I had to be, you know, thinking on the spot. It was, it was about like a month and a half or so uh, right after I graduated high school. And I kind of had an idea that I wanted to be in, in television. I didn't know in what capacity, right. whether it be behind the scenes. I, I, I thought about broadcasting, but I wasn't uh, all the way in there. I didn't have right. both feet in the water per se. And then going to that camp, which was run by by Ian Eagle, of course, Bruce Beck, yep. uh, Dave Popkin, who's you know the voice of uh, Seton Hall Hoops with Gary Cohen, Absolutely. and uh, Mike Quick, who's just a, a Mike tri-state, Quick, I remember him. You know, yeah, he's a tri-state area high school sports institution, and uh, you know, I, I I was bit by the bug going to that camp, and and that kind of laid the path down for me, and and that's where I figured out what I wanted to do. Yeah, when I went as well, I went when I was um. I, I think it was, yeah, I was a sophomore in high school and I found out about it and I knew from a very long, young age what I wanted to do and I wanted to get into sports and broadcasting. My dream is to announce play-by-play for the NFL or MLB, anything to get into, into the league. But um, how do you feel that that camp made you prepared for what you're doing right now? Yeah, like I said, I, it, it definitely – gave me the vision I needed to kind of move forward. And, and it answered a lot of the questions that I had about myself, mainly, hey, what do I want to do? You know, I, I didn't really have a, a, a long-term goal or plan coming out of high school. And that helped me a lot. It answered a lot of questions. And then I, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to transfer into, uh, into Fordham University. And I joined the radio station there, WFUV. And that really helped lay a foundation for you know my education in, into radio and, and right. learning the ins and outs of radio and you know I was able to do play-by-play uh, you know at school for those games report uh, host talk shows and that like I said that laid the groundwork for uh, everything moving forward and uh, you know everything kind of took off after that I you know graduated college I, I worked in minor league baseball for the five years after that was making, you know, no money riding the buses, but uh, I was, you know, going to a baseball field and weren't too many people at the baseball fields, <laughs> weren't probably too many people listening either, but it didn't matter because it was a, it was a place, it was a platform for me to be on the air, call games and get better. And that's all you need when you're young. So, uh, you know, that, that's all you need. You need the opportunity, I guess, the, the space in which now in 2020 you can create yourself as you Absolutely. guys are doing here. Definitely. And, and uh, you know, and, and then away you go. Again, it's all about the reps. It's, it's all about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, getting those 10,000 hours, like I mentioned before. And right. that's definitely what we're, we're trying to do, man. We love doing this. And Yankees are a big part of Julian and I's life. And I'll tell you one quick question I also have for you. Um, in terms of a certain player who's on our team who seems to get injured all the time, John Carlos Stanton, is there um, – is, do you feel, in your opinion, do you feel the Yankees have, in a way, buyer's remorse for this because of the injuries and the, the money we have to spend for him? Because that's a lot of money we're paying uh, – excuse yeah, we're paying him. And – since 20, we got him in 2017, I believe. Am I right? 2017, we acquired yeah. him from the Marlins. And since 2017, which he was a stud, by the way, since the, those past three years, he's been 
not on the field. It's tough, man. Um, and, and it's sad because it couldn't happen to a nicer guy, in my opinion. Right. I mean, in my experiences dealing with, with Giancarlo, he's, he's been great. Um, and, you know, he came off that 2017 MVP campaign, had a great 2018 season for the Yankees where he was carrying the lineup for, for a right. lot of that summer. And he was battling uh, another, another hamstring issue then, but he was playing through it. So it's, it's tough because, you know, he's putting the work in and just things kind of just don't come together uh, health-wise for Giancarlo Stanton right now. But buyer's remorse, it's, it's tough, obviously, to look back and say, yeah, the Yankees probably shouldn't have done that. When you take a look at the context surrounding Giancarlo Stanton's situation, uh, you know, literally came off an MVP-type season uh, a couple of months before the trade was, was executed. Uh, the Marlins were chipping in some of that money, and the Yankees really didn't give up much for – an MVP caliber player. So when you, when you take a look at those factors, I don't necessarily think I can go as far as saying that, you know, they have buyer's remorse. Obviously now when you, you take a look at the, the time that he's spent off the field in the years that were expected to be his prime baseball seasons of his career. Well, when you look at it that way, maybe, but I think there's a little bit more time left to, to decide all that. And mm -hmm. I don't think you can just, you know, go back and, right and and erase it from your mind bottom line is what was presented to them I, if anybody else was in the yankees position I, I i would be surprised if they turned that down right yeah so you mentioned minor league baseball before and that brings me to a good point last year me and bobby traveled to san diego to the winter meetings i went we to did. the job fair for minor league baseball i actually got offered a position but didn't end up taking it it was like for a ticket sales thing for Port Charlotte and single A Tampa, but I ended up obviously it wouldn't have gone anywhere everything that happened. But we also met um, your coworker Chris Russo out there. He gave us some we great did. advice for career advice. I dragged him down for a second, and he had to go. He's like, just try to get in the radio stuff. You, the podcast. you literally just got him too. Yeah, like I barely <laughs> got him. He's like, all right, I'll talk to you. Like he was pretty nice. So. I was wondering about any of your experiences with him, and like, have you gone to any winter meetings before? What have you experienced? If you have. Yeah, you know what? I, I kind of thought about in my head while you were saying that. I wanted to ask, what was the experience like trying to find a job? Because I've I've been to a couple of winter meetings, but I've you know been there uh, reporting. So uh, you know, I, I would go and, and and see a lot of the the people that are going to the job fair. Again, I spent my time in minor league baseball, so I have a lot of friends that are still there that go to the winter meetings, and I like to meet up with them. But what, what was it like? being a job seeker at this massive, you know, convention center, so to speak, where the, the baseball world is there. It was really interesting, but I did get to meet Matt Ferry, who's the director of baseball operations for us. I got to talk to him. I handed him a resume. So hopefully it gets me somewhere one day we'll see, but it was really interesting. I, I felt like a needle in a haystack almost. Cause it was like uh, hundreds of people like in me, like we're just trying to find my place basically. Like I ended up meeting a few friends that were like, one of them was like from my area, some Yankee fans too. Like I found a nice group of people, but it was kind of intimidating at the beginning. Like there's this big job board you need to pick like which ones you want to apply for. All these like crazy people speak to you like that have done so much in baseball. It was like, it was a great learning experience, but it was definitely overwhelming at times too. It, I'll tell you this, in San Diego, it was, it's a beautiful city. My first time being out on the West Coast and that job fair, I, I didn't do the job fair. Julian did. Literally, he wa it was 
our hotel was about Jules, maybe what a mile and like a half, a mile from there. I woke up every morning at like seven. And walked. We walked or used the scooter to get there, like in the soup, suit and everything. Suit shoes going back and forth between the buildings. <laughs> I wanted to see, like, I wanted to see what was going on in the main building where everyone was, but then I had to be at the job fair also. Like I was like juggling mm-hmm. it a little bit at times. Yeah, it's got to be you know a, a crazy three four days if you're you know going out there trying to sell yourself because like you mentioned there's and, and i've seen it there are a ton of people you know out there for the same reason so it's it's tough to i think it's tough for the you know going there as a first timer it'll probably get easier if you decide to go back to a, a winter meeting session in the future but it, it's got it, you know it has to be intimidating because you know, you're, you're kind of blind going in you can only go off of stories that you've heard from the past, but ultimately, like you mentioned, it's a, it is like a being a needle in a haystack because there are a bunch of people trying to, you know, grab the, you know, the, the one sword in the stone that's out there and, 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 you know, you're trying to go for it as well. So uh, I think the big challenge is, Hey, how do I, how, how do I make myself stand out? to you know decision makers and uh you know i think it varies for each situation obviously and uh you mentioned you know the the job board and you know how that runs down yeah that there's a certain situation for every individual uh role so uh i think it's just about putting the time in trying to do as much research as you can and ultimately kind of figure out creative ways to uh to to make yourself stand out from the rest Right. Well, like you said, we actually are planning to go this year. I know it's a big variable right now if it even happens. Yeah. But we're we have the plan set in motion if it does happen this year. So hopefully, if not, we'll be back in the next one. But it was overwhelming. We saw Jack Curry. There was Aaron Boone. Yep. There was like Jim Leland. There was Tony LaRusso, like Al Leiter, like all these crazy people I've seen on TV my whole life. I'm like, oh, my God. They're all like in the same <laughs> spot. I'm like, I'm like, I don't even belong here. I feel so intimidated. Like, Rose is all past. I'm like, oh, my God. The, the coolest thing that happened with me is <laughs> – I'm walking up to the hotel where everyone's at, every and huge crowd, and all these guys. Aaron Boone, literally a couple feet next to me. I'm walking up into the hotel, and Jeff Passan is talking to these three random people, and he asked them to bum a cigarette off. I'm like, that Jeff Passan? I'm like, yo, Jeff, and he just looks up, he has a cigarette in his hand, he's like, what's up, man? And then Julian <laughs> comes in there, he goes, yo, that's Jeff Passan. I'm going to talk to him, and he's like, hey, Jeff. How's it going? And he just looks at Julian, and I don't know if he had a few drinks or not. He looked like he did, but he was just—he just looks at Julian with this smug smile and goes, "Living the dream, man." That was the funniest <laughs> thing. The entire trip, I was, "Oh, this is great." And then Julian and I saw uh, John Heyman. All, all these—it's amazing at the winter meetings. We talk about how much we love sports, seeing all of people we see on TV during games and they're right in your face and they're having drinks with you. That's the coolest part. It was like so surreal. I still like, I still have great memories from it. And of course the best part about it wasn't even any of that stuff. Although we got Garrett Cole at the meetings. That's yep. like what we yes, really we hoped would happen also. So that made it even more fun. And we went to the hotel after that was a great night as well. Just, you see it all over the screen, Yankees, Cole, like all the speculation with Angels, Dodgers. It was just so great to see that happen. Like we all had a positive feeling he was going to come to the Yankees and we were really excited for it. And when it finally happened, it was one of the best things ever. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like uh, being in the hotel where that action was happening? Because, you know, if you were here on the East Coast, that was a, that was a late signing or, you yeah. know, it was a, it was a report that came out really late. So to kind of be, 
in the place, like you mentioned, you, you know, you're, you're passing a chain smoking Jeff Passon, who I'm, I'm sure wasn't, <laughs> wasn't taking the time to drink. He'd probably just looked really run down because yeah. that is uh that, that's, that's, I think a heaven and a hell in the same yeah. time for, uh, for those reporters who often break the stories and are great writers. And um, what, yeah, what was it like just being, I guess, in the center of all that, you know, being in the lobby, you know, that night when, when that report broke. Bobby, you got to tell him the story of how it happened, but then I'll explain more. Yeah, so um, that night we got – Julian and I were in our hotel room, and the one thing Julian and I do, I have every alert come to this phone from ESPN, so many apps. So during the whole trip, all Julian and I did was we were waiting to see when it would happen. There was stories – going out that, you know, the um, Angels were interested, the Astros were a mystery team, um, and so on and so forth. It was literally around, I think, like 9. It was like 9. 9 o'clock, 9.15 California time. So it was 12.15 here in New York. And I get the alert on my phone. It said pass and breaking Yankee. Garrett Cole to the Yankees. I go, Julian, we just got Garrett Cole. He's like, no, we, I'm like, yes, we did. Showed him. The uh, the alert, he went – he goes, let me check Twitter just in case. Check Twitter, and he went crazy. Went, <laughs> and so – and we're just like, this is what we came out here for. We're excited. Everybody at the meetings was waiting for where is Garrett Cole. I said – Julian, I say this all the time on our podcast, going out and getting the big fish. The Yankee got – the Yankees got the biggest fish in the free agent pond, and we were excited. Then we went to the uh, hotel – where everything was happening, everyone was going nuts about Garrett Cole going to the Yankees. I think everybody felt that he was going to go there. In my opinion, I always knew he was going to go. I had this, you know, thought maybe in the back of my head that maybe, you know what, he's from uh, – Angels did scare me. Yeah, that, that, that scared me too. With the contract. And I was stunned by the final number. I didn't think the Yankees would go that deep for him. I thought we would, like, cap it around eight for 300. And – when it happens, I recorded a quick uh, reaction yes, video. Yes, he did. Bob yes, he did. I, like, I had messed it up the first time that I did it again. I'm like, we got to go to the hotel. I'm like, oh, I got to record this. We got to go to the hotel. I'm like, let's go. Let's were, go. You guys, were you guys speeding on your street scooters as you made yes, your way back yes, to the main hotel? Yes, we were. Yeah, for sure. We, had, we, had to, we definitely beelined to the hotel, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, well, good thing you didn't get stopped. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, that, I, I remember that night um, in the wintertime uh, during the week. I, you know, I, I try to stay up, I guess you could say my, my, I feel like during baseball season and, and the off season, I'm, I'm completely different as far as like daily schedule schedules go in, in the off season. I like to, you know, I like to wake up early. Uh, I, I, I feel like I'm a morning person. Like once I get up, I get up. So, but that means I, I like to get my sleep. So I'll go to bed pretty early, but that night and, and really the week of winter meetings, it, it flipped it back to, back to baseball season, obviously. So, uh, I was up. I was struggling. I had, I think, I had three cups of coffee each day that week, and I usually only have one. But I, you know, I needed to, you know, to be up and and experience the moment, and uh, you know, go to work too. Once right. once that news broke, so uh, yeah, it was a cool week for sure, guys. Well, I have. I it's actually crazy you say that. Um, I actually just got an alert on my phone, and it has to do with the Yankees. That it is official that Julian, you know, you're not going to be happy when I tell you this. Wow. Uh, Labor Torres and James Paxson have been put on the IL. Okay, I got to tweet that one. So that just came to my phone right now. I was, that's um, that's and you know what? 
that's going to lead to my next question. Now, in your opinion, Justin, with um, this, do you th- with Paxton going on the IL, do you think with the trade deadline looming, do you think the Yankees will make a move for a starting pitcher? Look, I think if all of this was happening over the course of a normal 162 season, I would probably venture to guess that, yeah, the Yankees would be in hot pursuit of a starting pitcher. Just the shortened season and it being 2020, it, it throws such a wrinkle in everything. And it's so tough to predict what's going to happen uh, coming up near the trade right. deadline. I, you know, for, for whatever reason, and, and, you know, you don't have to think far as to why, it kind of just feels like it makes sense in your head right. that, uh, you know, if, if trades were going to happen, you know, maybe it would be more accommodating for two teams, you know, on the East Coast to – try to do business together and make a deal versus, you know, maybe say, you know, just for example, the Yankees making a trade with Seattle, but then you take a look at the grand scheme of things. I'm like, no, this is a business. They're, you know, they're going to make the best deal possible. They're going to try and, you know, do what's absolutely best for them. So um, it's, it's such an, you know, uh, it's like an Alice in Wonderland baseball season. You know, what, what you think makes sense doesn't. So, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I hate saying, I don't know. But there's really no evidence that suggests anything's you know going to happen one way or another. You you know they made a minor trade dealing away David Hale, but look they they designated him for assignment. Right. You hear like the Phillies going out for bullpen help. Maybe they could be acquiring Brandon Workman from the Red Sox. You know you wait and see with that. So you know will teams be active? Uh, it's you know it, it does kind of feel normal right now, despite you know the Yankees and Mets having their their weekend postponed. And we all know that can change with a flip of a switch. So it's, you know, it's tough to say. I think this is a reason, though, why regardless of, you know, his performance, uh, this is a reason why you don't trade starting pitchers from your depth pool. And, you know, that's why Jay Happ is here. Um, And, you know, will this lead to Clark Schmidt being promoted? Possible. You know, it's possible that the Yankees will be playing uh, a lot of games in not so many days. You know, the doubleheaders could be on the way, so they might need him right. out of necessity. But, you know, it's a, it's a tale as old as time. You don't trade away your pitching depth. And, you know, I think this is the reason, you know, why, uh, you know, fans need to realize, like, Jay Happ was never going anywhere. But, uh, you know, will they acquire pitching depth? Will they acquire another starting pitcher? It's really tough to say. It also depends on, you know, what they're willing to give up. And also, also depends on – where the Yankee tax is at these days, right? Because last year, and, and it was obviously different, but look, the Yankees had a lot of injuries last summer. The guys who, you know, were, you know, next man up, so to speak, with that mantra, right. they weren't as known and they weren't looked at as being so for real at the trade deadline, uh, for lack of a better term. So they weren't as proven, I guess you could say. So there was a, a legit Yankee tax out there that, you know, teams were – bumping up their asking prices for the Yankees because they knew they were, you know, desperate for bodies. Kind of a different story this year. They, you know, their depth is more solidified. Yeah, they do need help, but I don't think, uh, you know, teams can be holding a ransom uh, for the Yankees when it comes to uh, asking prices this time around. Right. That's a great point you brought up about Clark Schmidt because I was going to ask about him. I really hope that he comes up. And do you think he's ready to pitch right now for the Yankees if they need him to? I mean, we're going to find out. I think, you know, we've heard them say a bunch of times throughout the course of the, the second spring training startup. And, you know, at times here 
um, this season. Did I cut off there? I got an incoming yeah, call. I had to go find that. Yeah, <laughs> um, and no calls during the podcast, please. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've heard them say time and again that Clark Schmidt, they believe, is going to help them at some point this year. Well, look, we only have about a month and a half to go. <laughs> that, in the so, <laughs> yeah, so, so, you know, what better time than now? If, you know, he's, he's you know, there, there's only so much he's going to learn uh, from staying in the minors, uh, you know, between, you know, now and say if they need him next month. So, uh, yeah, I think it depends on how the schedule presents itself to the Yankees coming out of this weekend. Who knows, you know, what's ahead. I think doubleheaders will be in their near future. And if James Paxton is going to be on the shelf for a while, you know, past this 10-day this period, and the Yankees don't want to, you know, go with an opener scenario, they want to give Clark Schmidt a look, see if, you know, he actually is an option before going out and asking around for starting pitching right. before the trade deadline. I think maybe you can get, you know, a, a couple of starts in here and and see what you have with Clark Schmidt. So that's that's only if things, you know, fall into place relatively quickly. And what I mean by that is the schedule. I think it all goes back to the schedule now. And I don't know how quickly uh, the schedule is going to present itself uh, here for the Yankees. I don't know, you know, what they're – I don't know if they know what their next move is going to be uh, – you know, come Tuesday. Uh, so we'll see. It's, it's, it, there's a lot in the air right now. Uh, but I think, you know, it now is as good as time as ever based on what the Yankees have been saying about Clark Schmidt. I couldn't agree more, especially with Paxton down. You need to fill that void somehow. And then there's also the issue with Habs vesting options, which we know the Yankees don't want to pick up. I don't know if you know anything about what the technicalities of that are in the short season. I was also curious about that. That hasn't come out yet. You know, there, he, he was kind of an anomaly to the rule uh, right before the season started and uh, terms about prorated and, you know, the, the, everything about the, you know, salary and, and incentives, you know, what was prorated and what wasn't. Um, J-Hap was kind of an outlier. He had his own thing going on the side, and I don't think they've kind of been revealed. Um, but – you know, if you give the Yankees some truth serum, I'm sure they, you know, would like to see him not get to right. whatever that, that inning total is, whatever that's going to kick in, you know, the option for next year. Um, and I think there was a route to go to kind of avoid all of that right before exactly. things happened with James Paxton and with, you know, the, the Mets having two cases where they've tested positive for COVID-19. This affects the Yankees. They're, 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 could be doubleheaders being played. There could be, uh, you know, again, a lot of games being played in not too many days. So uh, I don't know if, if, if that plan of attack that they had for James Pack has, has been significantly altered. I think it definitely has been altered to the extent we have to wait and see. Yeah, and with the trade deadline looming, I, um, I'm just wondering about two guys in particular, um, Andujar and Clint Frazier. Um, to me – it seems that Miguel Andujar, he's kind of – I feel like he's kind of lost in a way. He's just not – he's not doing well at the plate. Seems like he doesn't really have a set position anymore since we got Gio, which, by the way, I think Gio has been an absolute stud for us since we got him. But Clint Frazier, um, you know, if you watch him on Twitter, he's pretty funny with his little Toy Story uh, memes he does. And um, I'm just wondering if – do you think the Yankees, if they're going to do anything at the deadline, that they might be sellers and those two guys might be uh, trade bait for them? 
I think if, you know, you want to, it, it depends on what's being dangled in front of them. Uh, Cause I think, you know, regardless of their performances the last few years, whether or not they've actually been on the field, whether they've had opportunities, whether they've been, you know, blocked by depth in triple A. Right. And you can say, you know, the same for, for both of them. If you, you know, look over, you know, cumulatively the last, you know, two, three years, they've all kind of experienced all of that, both of them. Um, I, you know, that being said, I still think they carry some value. So, um, you know, if, if it's enough for the Yankees to pull the trigger and ultimately, you know, deal them away for a big piece that they feel like they can help the Yankees uh, here this season and, you know, maybe, you know, seasons to come. But, uh, you know, obviously the goal is to win the championship. Right. We've seen the depth. We've seen a, a, a very nice player like Miguel Andujar be blocked to the point where, He's not even on the active roster. He would probably be in the majority of, of batting lineups around the majors. Right. So, you know, the depth is for real. Uh, same thing with the outfield, obviously. You know, for a while, I've, you know, I've, I've really been uh, enamored with the play of Mike Talkman. I just think he's a very oh, nice all-around love player. Talkman. His athleticism, I think, is off the charts. And, you know, in, in my estimation, at you know, right now in August of 2020, I feel Mike Talkman is a better all-around player than Clint Frazier. I think that could change. But, you know, you're talking about right now and what the Yankees are going to be doing in the immediate future. So, um, you know, there's, there's still a lot of questions to be answered there. Right. They're all good problems to have. You know, I think a lot of teams, a lot of organizations would, would love right. to have these type of problems that the Yankees have. So uh, when they have to decide what the futures will be with, you know, a guy like Andujar and, and Frazier, um, I think that falls under the wait and see category <laughs> as well. And, and so much is just – and a tribute to this upside down environment that we're in. Right. I, I like calling that the luxurious problem the Yankees have, uh, but definitely it's, it's going to be interesting to see. That's for sure. I really love that Talkman answer. I've been banging on the Talkman drum for a while now. I think he should be starting every day. I know Garner's a legend and all that, but he just doesn't seem to have it anymore to me. I'm curious in your take with both of them. And I actually have a fun story about Talkman. I was able to meet him at spring training with uh, John Boy Media and Brian Hoyt. They had an event at a brewery in Tampa Bay. So I do have a little extra admiration for Talkman. He was nice and stuff, but he's a good player too. Like I'm not just talking him up just because I met him. Like he, he can do a lot of things out there. I'm just surprised he hasn't hit for more power yet, but everything else has been great. Yeah, I mean, when he gets the at-bats, uh, I mean, he, he makes them count. I love his play in the outfield. I love that he can play all three outfield positions. Uh, you know, I was, I was hooked last season when he made that catch over the wall to, to rob a home run in Baltimore. And, and, you know, you talk to him, you could tell that the hunger candle is always lit, you know, in his, in his belly, so to speak. You know, he is motivated because – I, he, he said it himself, you know, there was a lot that was in front of him, I guess, preventing him from, from getting to the majors. You know, he didn't, never knew if he would reach this point. Right. And it, it's fun to see when players, you know, overcome those obstacles and, and get the chance. And, and, you know, Mike Cockman's obviously making the most of it. He's showing not just the Yankees, but really baseball, what he can do. And in, again, it goes, it goes back to the athleticism. So, you know, Long term, maybe he is a fourth outfielder on this team, but the fact that he can, you know, spell all three regular starters means that he could possibly be playing every day as well. You know, he, the, the cool thing is he could back up Aaron Hicks in center, back yeah. up in the corners. 
Um, and, you know, he provides certain elements that aren't there throughout the regular lineup. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Mike Tockman fan. But I also, I also have big love for Clint Frazier, too, because, you know, he is night and day from what he was uh, showing defensively last season. And I don't think Clint Frazier was ever really a bad outfielder. You know, he didn't really have the struggles that Yankee fans saw in summer of 2019 prior to last season. So, you know, there, there were struggles, obviously. He didn't look crisp at all uh, in certain parts of 2019. But I think that more had to do with just overcoming a barrier that I think a lot of young players in the majors do. Right. And then, you know, they get comfortable. And, uh, you know, from there, they kind of can relax and be themselves. And I think Clint Frazier was past that point. I think he's in a more relaxed mode. So I think you'll see better play from him defensively. And, I mean, there's still room for him to get better at the plate, which, uh, you know, when, when he's on, it is so fun to watch. Right. Um, I was just wondering your take, in your opinion, if it was up to you, would you rather have Tyler Wade up or Estrada up? If you had to move one down, which one would you keep on the, the active roster? Ooh. Well, I mean, in this normal ro- on this on this roster or a normal right. roster? Because I mean, right now both. we could have both. actually both. Uh, well, well, okay. the normal roster, yeah. Yeah, in a normal season, um, you know, maybe Tyro Estrado mm-hmm. offers uh, a little bit more based on you know what's going on. There's you know there probably be in a normal season no no runner at second base to start right. off an inning in right. extras. Um, you know the you know, the, there's uh, there's benefits playing him. Um, I'm pretty sure he can play. Uh, I'm thinking of someone else. But, yeah, I mean, they both play up the middle. Um, uh, if overall, what you see, Tyro Estrada, I think, is more of a complete hitter at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's tough to deny this, the tools that Tyler Wade provides because, I mean, we, we saw it a few nights ago, just, just taking a big lead off first in, in the – you know, amount of uh, anxiety, I guess, he gives to the opposing pitcher. He makes a lot of people think with his speed. And if, if you can make uh, another team think that much and kind of cause them to divert when they're on the field to, you know, another area based on, you know, just your legs alone, I think right. it's a pretty valuable commodity, especially when, you know, speed, you know, I think speed plays all the time. I don't care what age we are in, you know, regarding, you know, hitting and, and all that, I, I think speed always plays. It never hurts to have it. And, you know, when you, you go past some guys who uh, may have speed and don't run well or, or you know, vice versa, uh, Tyler Wade's valuable because he can do both. There's one thing, you know, it, it's one thing to be fast, but it's also another to be a good base runner. And, and Tyler Wade is both. Right. I With that, you know what? I've just been such a big fan of Estrada seeing in the interleague matchups, the inter, excuse me, inter-squad matchups, he was just lighting it up every time he was at he was up at bat, and to me, you know what? I agree with you. Speed kills in any sport, and but this is this one was a tough one for me too. I, I'm always going to ride the Estrada train, but I do understand the value that Wade provides to the Yankees. Definitely, I think it's impressive that a guy like Estrada, and it's nothing new, but you know, Estrada is another guy who kind of just slides right in and is able to produce when, you know, he might be getting one start per week. And, you know, to have a guy in your early to mid-20s right. on the bench at the majors, that's not easy because, you know, part of you, you know, worries that you're stunting their development, so to speak. So 
uh, for, for Estrada to come in and, you know, do what he does is, is very impressive. But at the same time, you know, he, he probably falls into the category that Frazier and Andujar are in right now as well. You know, where is he long term? There's really not a spot for him. So, right. you know, you, you may become uh, more comfortable because Tyler Wade, you know, serves in that kind of utility role. You know, Tyler Wade might be closer to being a player where you could just say to yourself, well, what we've seen is what he is. You know, there's still more room, I think, for Tyler Estrada. So you kind of might know what you're getting with Tyler Wade and what you're getting, you know, is a very, you know, fast baseball player who has, you know, a, a big weapon with his legs. Tyler, uh, Tyro Estrada, it's very impressive what he does when he gets that opportunity. Uh, Long term, though, where he fits, that, that leaves you kind of scratching your head. Yeah, I agree. I like your assessment on that. We and Bobby both love Tyro's hitting, but Wade does offer a lot defensively with his speed, of course. I just don't think his bat's ever going to come around. I just don't see it, really. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it will eventually, but I just it's just not really there to me. And there's some other stuff about Torres. I don't know if you guys know this, but he also has a quad issue. It's the quad and the hamstring for Torres. Double whammy. Yeah, I mean, two, uh, two soft tissue injuries, so... Um... It's rough, man. I, I, you know, I, I don't, I'm not a doctor, but, <laughs> but I, I've, yeah, I've pulled my quad once. Uh, it's not fun. Um, I don't think it was, you know, severe or anything, but like I wasn't the same for, you know, a month or so. And, and, and I think all those soft tissue injuries, they're all similar. You have to take time. You have to rest. I think the good thing is, you know, if you can draw like a silver lining out of any of what has just happened with the Yankees, uh, especially when you take a look at the weekend they have off now is that, you know, it doesn't look like Glaber's injury is deemed really serious. You know, right. it wasn't a, a strain or anything like that. I'm not sure what the quad, you know, quad issue is because, uh, you know, we're recording this now, but you know, every game that the, I guess every day that the Yankees have off is a game that no one's missing. You know, Aaron judge was, you know, scheduled to come off the injured list on Saturday uh, it gives him a couple more days to rest up. So I think everyone fully expects him to come off the injured list. Maybe Glaber Torres only needs the 10 days. And when you think about it, there's it's a chance seven. the Yankees – yeah, there's a chance the Yankees uh, have five days off over the next week. So maybe, you know, he only misses five games. So it look at it grade, that way. Oh, okay. It says a grade one strain of the hamstring and the quad for Torres with the MRI. We'll have to see what happens. It could be a month or so. Who knows? But it's just a mess. Let's hope not. Do you think, do you think Andujar is going to end up coming back now that Torres is gone? Do you think they're going to go with Mercer, who they just signed? Maybe Duffy? I'm curious who's going to fill all these spots. Avalon's also down, too, now. Oh, Luis Avalon? Yeah, he has shoulder inflammation. Okay. Well, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Andujar. Uh, you know, is, again, because when he comes up, Unless, unless you're going to move Gio Urshela to, to second base and play Andujar at third, there is really no place for consistent right. at bats. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. You know, Gio Urshela is is rock solid at third base, and you know he's one of the pillars of of the lineup and, and the defense right now. So I'm not right. touching that. Uh, you know, maybe maybe you go with the experience in a guy like Jordy Mercer, who they just signed. Uh, you know, for me, what I'd want from Andujar right now is at bats. And I know down at the alternate site, they're not, you know, facing opponents. They're kind of, you know, going back and forth playing, you know, games against themselves, but still it's, uh, you know, three or four plate appearances in some type of game action each day that will benefit and do So, um, you know, 
They signed Jordy Mercer. That looked like a, a pretty nice signing earlier in the week. I don't think they thought that they'd have to entertain possibly bringing him up as, as close to signing him as they did. So uh, I would probably bring up Jordy Mercer. Um, you know, you have uh, a middle infield there of Wade or Estrada and, and Mercer. I would, I would probably have, you know, Jordy Mercer play uh, every day and then maybe platoon Estrada and Wade. Yeah, maybe. We'll have to see. It's going to be really interesting. Also, I'm curious, what do you miss most about being at the ballpark, like with being with everyone? I'm sure it's been tough for you being remote. I, we miss going to the games. We used to have fun. Oh, we used to previews and we so all the games. And, like, it's just you can't emulate that experience. I miss the fans being there. The energy is, like, dead to me sometimes. And even as much as we love baseball, the games get boring sometimes to have the fans. It does. Yeah, man, I – I've had FOMO like from the day they announced the restart because I knew, I, I knew it was a long shot that fans were going to be allowed in stadiums at all in 2020. I, you know, I highly doubt that they are going to be back this season. You, you know, cross your fingers and you, you know, you pray for everything to be all right and ready to roll for opening day 2021. But yeah, the best way I could explain it, and I, you know, I really felt it uh, when there was the the first opening day back in late March and. You know, it just didn't feel right. And then, uh, you know, I experienced a little bit of sadness there. But then when they, you know, restarted and they had uh, their their summer workouts, when that started, had a little bit of FOMO. And then uh, now when they play the games, you know, just like the fans, I'm missing it, missing it hard, missing the energy of the place. Just, you know, that's, that's, my, uh, that's my workplace. I miss going to the office. Right. And uh, I often say, like, there's, there's not much – that uh, I wouldn't give up to be sitting in uh, stadium traffic after a game right now. So, <laughs> oh man, um, yeah, I would I would kill for that. So, uh, you know, I, I I really miss being at the ballpark. And uh, you know, I'm working from home on on Sirius XM with with Chris's show. But uh, you know, nothing beats being in the studio with him and his crew either. Uh, it, you know, being at your kitchen table and uh, anchoring <laughs> there's it's not exactly a nice substitute for all the other things that I do. So yeah, I'm have a lot of FOMO about not being in the Bronx this year. So my next question for you is since you've been with working for the Yankees and covering the Yankees, who has been your favorite person to interview on the team? That's a good question. Hmm. I'm going to pick one, but I have to start it off by saying that, you know, the group you see now and, you know, for the last couple of years, there's, there's like not one bad apple in the bunch. Right. They're all so cool. They're all down to earth. They're respectful of your time. They're respectful of, you know, what you're there for. So it's really nice. And, um, you know, when, when, when somebody comes into the organization or when someone comes up from the minor leagues, uh, they, you know, they act like everybody else. It's like, you know, not, not you know, they didn't skip a beat. So it's really impressive. Um, man, that's a good question when you, you know, I have to stop and think about it. Oh, I mean, Brett Gardner has always been great. He gives you, uh, you know, very insightful, thoughtful answers, which is really nice. And he gets it, you know, he's been around and uh, he's also a no nonsense guy. I really like that because you have to kind of, excuse me, you have to bring it, I guess, so to speak, if you're, you know, if you're taking some of his time away from his, his pregame routine or, you know, just his time at the ballpark, you know, you want to be 
uh, on your A game and you want to bring it. Um, Cause I, I don't want to say like, he'll let you know, so to speak, but uh, what you get back uh, in return from him, I think will, uh, you know, be a product of, of your, uh, your preparedness. So, right. so it's, you know, it's fun talking to him. I really enjoy, uh, you know, the monthly sit downs that, that we've done in the past with, with Aaron Boone. Uh, he's everything that you see, which, you know, he's a great dude. Um, so I guess those two, yeah, they like, uh, you know, the elder statesman with Gardner and it's, you know, never hurts talking to the manager. Right. Right. No. How, uh, let me ask you this, Aaron judge, he's standing right next to him. He's just, uh, it's how just big he is. is just insane. Isn't it? Dude, the Yankee clubhouse feels like you're in the, like the, the, the jet locker room. I mean, <laughs> that, it feels big. like they have, they have linebackers, uh, up and down, you know, the aisle you have, between Judge, Stanton, Aroldis Chapman, who is is massive. Oh, he's um, a monster. Yeah, I mean, you had CC last year. It's 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 insane. Um, I mean, some of the relievers they're they're tall and like you know, I don't want to say stocky, but like they're wide, man. Like all of them. So they have some size on that team, man. Um, it's it's funny because I've been in football locker rooms before, and I'm like, right. there's like no difference. Uh, between like a Rolda Chapman and an NFL pass rusher, right? And it's That's it's incredible funny. to think that <laughs> there's you know there's enough flexibility in his like bowling ball shoulders to throw a, a baseball at like 100 plus miles an hour. So that's what I always think when you know I see a Rolda, uh, you know, uh, out on the field, and um, you know he, he's he's massive. So. Um, I, I would not want to throw at the Yankees if, if you know, you had in start a <laughs> start an incident, you know, you have beef. I, I would, I would kind of pocket that beef. If I was in a <laughs> you have game. to second guess yourself not to, to want to mess with those guys. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. So I got to ask you this. How were you also shocked that Chad Green's in the pitch and all in this race series? I oh. thought there was something wrong with him. I can't believe he wasn't using any of the three games. I'm still blown away by that. Uh, yeah, I mean, when, when it was happening and, you know, innings were unfolding and when you saw situations that normally call for Chad Green and he's not being used, especially at the end of, of Thursday's game, you might say to yourself, man, the way things are going, okay, what's wrong with Chad Green now, right? Mm -hmm. uh, thankfully, I guess nothing. But, uh, you know, it's, it's also a good reminder, and I've had to stop and do this myself, I mean – I don't want. I don't want to say the games mean nothing at this point, but like everyone gets in the postseason. So if you, if you know, if a guy needs rest, and uh, you know you want to give him some time off, also if you don't want to show him against a certain team you think you're going to meet up with down the road, like we saw last year with the Astros, you know, you you run out all your big relievers uh, in you know in the ALCS game after game after game at the end of the series. Not only did, were they gassed, but also the Astros had a pretty good idea of what was coming and how to hit it. So, uh, you know, that might have gone into the thinking there. But, uh, you know, just just glad that everything's good and Chad's healthy, right? Right. Absolutely. Zach, that's the number one thing right now. Also, i got to talk about Luke Voigt. I've been so impressed with Voigt this season. What are your thoughts on him? He's been outstanding. It's cool to see him uh, doing all of this because – He's done nothing but produce since he's been here. I got to charge my phone. Uh, that's why I'm kind of jumpy right now. Um, no problem. He's been like this the entire time. And as I charge my phone, I'm being asked for my passcode. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, 
I'm gonna go grab yeah, my laptop charge him while we're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> he's it's cool that you know you've watched him deliver this entire time. And even with this layoff, I think I think the the time off, you know, the the shutdown and then the restart, I think throughout the game it has affected some people. Maybe they never admit it, but it's cool to see him just take off because I think he was poised for the type of season that we've seen so far. Um, so it, it's really cool to see him just get better and better. And, right. I mean, he is the real deal. And I kind of always compare – I look back to the trade that the Yankees, you know, made for him and kind of why the Cardinals ended up trading him away. And then ultimately they got Paul Goldschmidt. Well, over this time, Luke Boyd's – you know, Paul Goldschmidt's a future Hall of Famer, but better than Paul Goldschmidt in this pocket of time. So, uh, you know, it just, it's just really cool to see Luke Voigt take charge and you know, really make a major league career uh, here in New York. So with Luke Voigt, do you see the Yankees extending him going forward down the road, making him like they don't want him going anywhere? He's definitely going to be a Yankee first baseman for the foreseeable future. I mean, I think the Yankees do a good job with taking advantage of the time that's always on their side when it comes right. to extending players or not. So, um, you know, it's not something that I, I feel like we're going to hear anytime soon, maybe in the off season, or maybe, you know, uh, Luke Voigt falls into that guy where they say, hey, uh, you know, get to free agency and, uh, you know, we'll take care of you then. Um, that, that might happen as well. So uh, it's, it's tough to say when we look back at, you know, at, recent history and, you know, even history over the course of the last 10, 15 years, that's, you know, just basically how the Yankees operate. Um, you know, you would probably say that if they were going to extend anybody before they reach free agency, Luke Voigt probably isn't at the top of the list. You know, maybe they have a guy like Labor Torres or Aaron Judge, but I mean, Voigt is making a case to be right up there with them. Uh, it's just, you know, going off recent history and, and the way the, the front office operates, uh, I would say right now, you know, it would it would be different if uh, you know it would it would kind of be a mold breaker if they ended up extending Luke Voigt at, at some point in the near future. Right. I mean, I I think this year he's taken the ball and run with it. I think he's really been consistent early in the year. He's a little slow uh, getting started, but he has really picked it up. He's been arguably our most reliable player for a while now. I, you know what? I actually want to ask you your opinion on somebody who's struggling extremely, uh, Gary Sanchez. What is your take on Gary Sanchez and why you think that he's like so, not really doing well? Because it's really hot and cold. It's either home run or bust for him. Yeah, I mentioned it you know, earlier when you log a certain amount of at-bats or games played in the majors at some point, you know, you are who you are, right? And, and you know, Gary Sanchez has, you know, been logging a lot of games over the past four seasons. He's had a lot of at-bats. But I think one thing that we've kind of noticed is that when he is on, he can get as hot as anybody in baseball. Absolutely. And when he's off, it, you know, it looks, looks a little ugly. There's bad at-bats. There's bad swings. It looks off balance. There's all that. But, um, you know, when you, when you put it all together and he, you know, at the end of the season, if he's a, a 230 hitter hitting 35 to 40 home runs at his right. position, a premium position, I think, you, you know, you signed for that. So, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, get on him with his defense. Obviously, you know, there, there is parts that 
don't look pretty at all. Uh, but, you know, overall, if the pitchers are saying that, you know, he's, you know, he's doing, it's not that the pitchers are, you know, saying nothing about him. It's that right. pitchers are commending him, saying that he's doing a great job. And you've constantly heard that since he's, you know, been called up really. So you got to take him at their word. Uh, if, you know, if, if he's a good catcher to throw to because all the pitchers are saying it, well, then I, I you know, you can't not believe him. Um, you know, at the other end, though, with the bat, from what we've seen this year, yeah, there's been a lot of part times. Seemed like he got hot, you know, in a, like a five game stretch. But, you know, overall, uh, you know, it's been a, it's been a rough 2020 for sure. At the same time, if, you know, he's there at the end of the season with, uh, you know, 15 home runs. Um, I think you take it, you know, you'd be happy because Absolutely. You know, the catching Definitely. position is, is at such a premium in the majors. Not everyone's going to be, you know, JT Real Muto at this point. Right. It's a tough thing. Who do you think the biggest challenge is in the American League for the Yankees? Do you think it's Tampa Bay? Like the Yankees got to figure out a way to beat the Rays right now, it looks like. But they only play him three more times. Maybe you won't see him in the playoffs. So I'm curious what you think. Yeah, if I'm the Yankees, I'm not worried about anyone in baseball. Uh, you know, if they're if they're healthy, if they have all their big guys, I'm not worried. You know, I, you, I don't want to worry about playing a team like the Rays or the A's, who I think are right up there with the Yankees in the American League. Now, I respect them, and if you're the Yankees, you respect those teams. But the Yankees are as good as anybody. They're right there to, you know, win a championship. They're always going to be in that conversation for, for this season. And I, I'm not so sure that – you could worry about any team. Uh, but, I, you know, if you want to keep your eye on, you know, uh, a certain team and, uh, you know, teams that, you know, have really captured my respect just after watching them, definitely the Rays, the A's there. And, hey, the Astros, I mean, they've won eight straight now after a slow start. So, yeah, they're getting hot. You know, they could be there. They can, you know, they can possibly overrun the A's. We'll see. But uh, I really like Oakland. I like watching Oakland play. They have, you know, nice – uh, young pitching that's, you know, trying to get it together and, and, you know, trying to fit at, at the major league level. They're, they're fun to watch, but uh, if you're the Yankees, I think you have to have that mindset where, man, I'm not worried about anybody. Look at what we have in our clubhouse. Right. Uh, you know, you could respect your opponents, but you, know, you don't have to worry about them. Absolutely. So um, in your opinion, uh, let's see here, Julian and I really want the world series to be a, Yankees Dodgers World Series. Do you still think that is definitely possible? Yeah, I do think it's still possible. Uh, you know, the Dodgers, uh, you know, had their own uh, issues with health early, early right. in the season. I think they're, you know, close to full strength. They're rolling along in the National League. I think that's the biggest uh, obstacle that may hold the right. Yankees back is their health. I mean, you see what the absence of Tommy Canely already means to this team. You know, the other right. day when, when, you know, Zach Britton's on the mound, the inning is kind of unfolding for him. I mean, a lot of people question why Adam Adovino wasn't coming in to, uh, to face, um, right. you know, the right-handers. And uh, you know what, Tommy Canely, a guy who can get right-handers and left-handers out, at a, at a nice rate, you know, that seemed like the perfect spot for him. So right. there's going to be situations that are going to pop up and you say to yourself, man, you know, we could really use player A right now. And that player A may be down for the season or on the injured list the way the Yankees are going right now. But, uh, you know, there, there's still time. There's still time to get things together. And like I said, it feels like every team's making the postseason this year. Uh, yeah. You know, it, 
so, you know, the Yankees have time, I think, to get healthy. I think they have time to kind of sort it out. And, you know, if they are, uh, you know, if, if they are back to as close to, you know, full strength as possible with their health near the end of September, then, yeah, I think we rock on with Yankees Dodgers, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, for. That's what we hope for, man. That's where we're I went all... to. I went to L.A. last August. It's almost a year now when you think about it, when the Yankees were playing the Dodgers on Players Weekend, and it was so cool to be out there in that atmosphere because that stadium was bringing the energy too. And, you know, it was a, it was a tough place to play, I think, if you're a road opponent. But uh, Yankees ended up taking two out of three there. And yep. I think they should have won the, the game that they lost. It was, you know, CC Sabathia pitched really well that game. And, uh, and it was just – it was a really – uh, nice eye-opening experience for, for uh, an elite team going on the road and facing another elite team. I think it would be great if they could uh, meet up in October. Absolutely. I was out in Los Angeles, too, and I got towards Dodger Stadium. I've seen the game there as well. I love that place. It really is a cool place. I was hoping so much that we were going to get a Yankees-Dodgers World Series. Maybe we can go out there, see the games or something, just be in the atmosphere. But even if we get it now, most likely no fans, so that's kind of a buzzkill. But I think it would be a great save for baseball after the surrender season. I think what more could they want than going on top of like the two best teams, highest rated game possible. I think it has to happen. I still think it will. I still have faith in this Yankees team. We're just hurting right now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason to feel down on the Yankees right now. Even even with these injuries, they have enough to win and, and beat the teams uh, for the most part that they're playing on a nightly basis uh, in, in the AL East and the NL East. They're, you know, they're going to be there when, when October rolls around. It's just a matter of what they'll look like when October comes, you know, how healthy are they going to be? And, uh, you know, for baseball, that would obviously be the, uh, the treasure at the end of the rainbow for them, especially if they're going to try and use more resources to get the postseason into a, a bubble like atmosphere yeah. and, and have to expend that much more energy to basically, you know, do whatever it takes to make sure the World Series is played. That would be a, a pretty nice reward for them. So, yeah, you want to kind of root for that. Definitely. Um, that's, what, that's what everyone's hoping for. Dueling and I wanted Yankees-Dodgers. That's box office right there. Arguably the two best teams in baseball just going at it for a championship and for the Yankees to get 28. That's the goal. I, I think that, you know what, through all these injuries, I still think the Yankees, once they could get fully healthy, our lineup and our team is I, – I don't think really a lot of teams could stop us. I think a lot of times we beat ourselves in a way. I think the Rays have given us trouble this, this season. I don't know what's going on, but the Rays are a very good team. I never realized that. Julian opened my eyes to how good of a team they are. And I live in Tampa now, so I have to deal with it all the time. The Rays are fun to watch if you really enjoy the game of baseball. I mean, the things that they that they do and, and the way they execute certain plays and just right. really the way they make up the roster, it's really fun if you're, you know, not, I guess, a, a card-carrying traditionalist and you can, you know, adapt to some of these new age uh, ways that teams try to get a leg up. The Rays are, are fascinating to watch. I mean, right. the Yankees are off tonight, probably going to watch the Rays game, right? Um, yeah. But, but also keep in mind, you know, the Yankees did get swept at home by the Rays. Again, no Judge, no Stanton, no LeMahieu. The lineup, exactly. For as, yeah. As good as the you know the the depth is, it's still not those three players in the lineup. So they weren't there. When they get there, it's a whole new ball game. And you know, ultimately, we'll we'll have to see how things play out health wise for this team. Hopefully, good things are coming. Hopefully. Right. I have a few questions about that. See if you could help me out here. So. 
First one, do you have any timetables or estimations on Stanton, LeMahieu, and Britain when they could return? Uh, all three? No, I don't. <laughs> um, you know, Yankees, more and more as the, you know, as time goes on, they, they keep health information very close to the vest. So, you know, nothing, nothing there. Okay, I just figured I would ask. So you made a good point before about Voight and Goldschmidt. It actually brought up a thought in my head, but we got sidetracked some other stuff. How about Urshela to Machado since we got Gio Urshela? They have some similar numbers too, and we're paying Gio 25K, and meanwhile Machado's making $300 million. Yeah, I haven't looked at the numbers side by side, but I would be surprised just based off last season. You know, Manny Machado didn't have a, a season that we've, you know, been accustomed to Manny Machado having, especially watching him with the Orioles all those years. So uh, I think if you put the body of work together the last year and a half, I would be shocked if Gio Urshela's numbers aren't better at this moment. Right. That's a good point. And I got to, yeah. speaking of that, Machado, I got to get your take on the Tati situation. <laughs> uh, I love it. I mean, I, the, I guess if, if anyone was going to have a problem with anything that happened, uh, I guess it would have to be that either he missed or disobeyed an uh, an order from his manager. But other than that, and look, that's not high on my list here. Uh, I I swing away. Uh, I don't care that you're you know down seven runs, you're falling behind three and zero. I've seen plenty of late game comebacks. Just saw one baseball. Yesterday. Yeah, I mean, you're telling me that it can't cannot happen give me a break uh if, if, if you are going to get that chapped about it uh you know throw the white flag because I, I think i think yeah make make the better pitch your pros you're getting paid for this it's different if it's college if it's if it's uh, amateur sports or especially if it's youth sports it's not the same it's not comparable it's not the same as the nfl really either and it, you know you're all professionals if you can't make a pitch, then get out of the game. End the game. Uh, and also, that pitch was no gimme. It, you know, it wasn't exactly like right over the plate. Uh, you know, Tatis displayed a lot of talent hitting that pitch, that specific pitch, over the wall. So, uh, for for the Rangers, Chris Woodward, uh, I think he needs to evolve. You know, I think he's, uh, you know, maybe, maybe rethinking it, maybe giving it a second thought with, you know, a bunch of uh, – former players from his era coming out to, to Tatis's support. I think the Padres manager, Jace Tingler, who spent a lot of time uh, in the Rangers organization prior to getting this, this Padres job thought maybe he, you know, felt maybe embarrassed that he, you know, it looked like he was showing up Chris Woodward and the Rangers. Uh, I don't, I don't know exactly like you know, that what his reasoning was, but, like but you know what? That was a major strike in my eyes where you are not publicly defending your star player. So, mm -hmm. you know, for that to be negated, I felt like he needed to publicly apologize to him. He maybe apologized to Tatis in private or in front of the team, but I think a public apology would go a long way. Uh, but overall, man, do your thing. It's so much fun. I've been watching more West coast baseball this year than I've ever had. I usually tried to come home after a Yankee game and, and throw the Angel game on to, to watch as much Mike Trout as possible. Still doing that with Trout. I'm um, still doing it more with, with the Dodgers, especially now that Mookie Betts is, is playing there. But I've watched more San Diego Padre games this year than I, yeah. I think I've ever had. And the big reason, obviously, is Fernando Tatis Jr. If I'm staying up that late, 
I don't want to see him walk 3-0 and, and bring in a run. I want to see him swinging. So, you know, time is money, right, guys? Like, Absolutely. Uh, you know, think, think of the fans' time here. Swing away, Fernando. I loved it. Yeah, I've been watching his games, too. I love watching him play. It's a great point. He's a, he could be a face of baseball. He's, like, working his way up to that level right now. Mm-hmm. So, one quick question I also have for you. What's it like working with uh, Ryan Rucco? I'm a big fan of his. I, I, I loved him on the radio when he was with Stephen A. That was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But um, how's it like working with him? He's a really cool guy. He seems like a really chill guy. Uh, Ryan's one of my best friends. Uh, we mm-hmm. went to school together. He was a year older than I. And, yeah, man, he's what you see is what you get. So, I've, you know, I've always been thrilled for him and, and all his success because – uh, there's, there's no nicer person who, who deserves it. He works his tail off. And like I said, what you see on the air is, is him in person. And that's why it's easy to work with him because, you know, I know him so well and, and he just makes it easy for, for his colleagues. So he's, he's, he's a man, uh, getting to fill in last year on yes and doing it on games where he was calling them was, was really special for me. And, uh, yeah, like, I was so happy for him that he got those opportunities because, uh, you know, we were, we were in college. We obviously, we both grew up uh, Yankee fans. We all watched, you know, Yankee games in college. We experienced the, the 2009 postseason run, uh, you know, watching games together. And, uh, you know, to last year when, when the, the first day that, you know, he was filling in for, for Michael Kay at home, you know, that was going to be the first game that he was calling in Yankee stadium before he was filling in for the Yankees. It was when Michael wasn't going on road trips. So this was his first game in Yankee stadium doing play by play on the yes network. It was my first time doing the clubhouse reporting uh, for yes. And we both found out pretty much at the same time we were together in the Yankee clubhouse when we found out. So it was a cool moment. And, you know, it was really unfortunate, I guess the way that it happened because Michael K is an amazing human being. Um, but but yeah, working with Ryan is a blast, and it's cool because I'm literally working with like one of my best friends. So uh, it's it's uh, a thing of comfort, and 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 ultimately, it's gonna make for you know tremendous experiences to look back on. I guess when I'm uh, later on in my career. Absolutely. Is there any way you would be able to help us get in contact with them? We would greatly appreciate it. We've had some great interviews with um, Jack Curry, and we also had Iron Eagle. We're just trying to yep. build up that resume a little bit. I see his Instagram inbox is open right now, so maybe I can send <laughs> a message. But yeah, throw him, dude, throw him a throw him a message, I'll, and I'll and I'll uh, I'll text him when I when I get off here. I don't know. Yeah, he's one of the he's one of the lucky ones with with sports being back right now because he's calling. WNBA games. Right. I, I I don't know if he's doing any NBA on ESPN, but he's. I mean, I don't know how long, much longer the Nets are going to be around. But you More know, he's got WNBA, <laughs> NBA, uh, you know, NBA on ESPN, NBA on Yes. So he's been he's been pretty busy for the last month or so. But dude, I mean, well, I'm sure he'll do it. You know, if not soon, down the line. And, oh, absolutely. That would be great. Yeah, yeah, Thank man. You so so much, much, man. I really appreciate it. it means a lot to us. That was. That's you know what it's it's awesome. Just the, the fact that you said that Ryan's like your best friend and you get to work with your best friend. That's the way I feel with with Julian. Julian and I grew up, went to middle school and high school together. We love sports more than anything. We this is our passion. We talked up doing a podcast for about a year before we decided to really get into it. We 
really work hard. We go to training camps. Like I said, NFL is my game. Learning us not have the games. Yeah. It's just killing us. Like, just not going to games. We, we would go to training camps for the NFL last year. Um, Yankee game. I think Julian and I should have season tickets for the Yankees. We had season tickets to the Jets last year, um, even though I'm not a Jets fan. But uh, I did it anyway just because I love sports. Um, and it's just awesome, you know, what sports do. Working with your best friend has to be awesome. That's what we're striving for, and that's awesome well, what you and Ryan have. Yeah, man. I mean, look, you guys you guys are doing it. You're, it all is is, you know, talking sports with your, with your best friend. And, uh, you know, one thing, one piece of advice that was, you know, given to me a while ago and something that I, I definitely, you know, have in my head when I'm especially like reporting and, and hosting, not so much doing play-by-play, but, you know, really reporting is, you know, someone said, you know, just imagine, you know, you're talking to your best friend and just tell them what happened. Because ultimately, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like acting what you do, like report, like being in, being in front of the camera. I don't care what, when, what capacity you're in. Uh, part of it is, is acting, you know, right. it, it's tough to be yourself. Um, you know, you get there and once you're relaxed, yeah, you can be yourself. And, um, and that's the most valuable thing you can bring to the table because no one else can do that. No one else could be you. Um, so, it, it's obviously incredibly important to be yourself, but you do that by, you know, making things simple, not overthinking. And I think one of the best ways to do that is to write or report and just imagine uh, and deliver it in a way where you're talking to your best friend and that's it. So, um, you know, like, for example, like, you know, if you wanted to get cute with like your writing for whatever, if it was like the radio and be like, you know, um, and this is a minor, minor example, but you know, if it was saying like Saturday's contest between the Yankees and Mets was postponed, I'm not going to say contest to my best friend be like, Hey, Yankees and Mets game was postponed Saturday. Like right. that, that's, that's a small example, but you get right. what I'm saying. So, yeah. um, you know, what you guys are doing is perfect because you're doing the reps, you're doing it together and, and you're just, it's, it's just invaluable experience. Absolutely. And that's, that's what we, we love doing this. Football season's coming up. We're excited for that. This season with baseball, I'll tell you this, if there was no baseball season, I could tell you right now, Julian would be it, – it's a depressing time for everybody. Yeah. I was but, having a real hard time before all this happened without baseball. It was tough. It was. It was a tough time for not only the both of us, but for him especially. And I'm just happy to have baseball back. You know, it's it's – during these times, sports are bringing everybody back together. It gives everybody a ray of hope. And you know what? Uh, even though the Yankees are going through all these injuries and, you know, um, they're literally well, – I think they're tied with the Rays for first place. Well, I'm just happy to have baseball back. And I know they're – and you know what? We're going to – the Yankees will get healthier. And when they do, I don't think there's anybody who could stop them, in my opinion. I think that you're going to get – I'm hoping when John Carlo comes back, he comes back motivated, comes back bashing home runs. Because like we, when he comes back, I just think – the way I see it is when the Yankees are a team that, you know what, they always have this 
monkey on their shoulder about having the most championships in sport in sports history. And every year they're trying to get the next one like any other team, but with them, it's especially harder and the pressure is mounting. But I just think that, you know what, this year is just, I just feel it's the Yankees year. I think that this right now, I'd rather have the injuries right now than if we were in the middle of the playoffs and we'd be in trouble. So I think we're going to be okay. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm excited for playoff baseball. Talk, I know the the shortest season's about – we only got a month left, but playoff Great baseball, game. there's nothing like it. I'm excited. Hey, you, you got to make the best situation out of what we have this year after what's exactly. been presented to us. Right. You have to make the best situation as you possibly can. And if it is just, a, you know, 60-game baseball, 60-game season, and – you know, the Yankees are, are banged up for a good portion of that. Well, so be it. You know, it's all about, you know, playing the hand that, uh, that you're dealt and not, not worrying about the hand that, you know, that was it. It's about, you know, what I'm trying to say is it's about how you play the hand, not, not right. worrying about so much about the hand that was dealt. So, uh, yeah, hey, 60-game season, better than the zero-game season. And I think we were looking Absolutely. down the barrel of that a few months ago. I know I was worried about that. I know if, I you know, there too. was going to be no baseball this summer – I probably would have done something outrageous like rent an RV or something and drive across the country because, <laughs> you know, it, it, that's pretty much the only time I would, you know, be able to do an experience Absolutely. like that. But, you know, we have baseball here. Yeah, there's adversity. You know, adversity is always going to be there. There's always going to be obstacles to overcome. And if you're trying to achieve something great, you've got to try and, you know, drive over those potholes and get to the other side of that tightrope. So, uh, you know, that's where we're at right now with the Yankees. And uh, hopefully – you know, it's a, it's a good watching experience the rest of the way. And like we said, you just got to make the best of, of what we've been dealt here in 2020. Absolutely. You guys made a lot of good points. And I, I obviously am a Yankees fan, but I watch all baseball, like you were saying. Like, we do the thing with grunt talks, and I, like, break down other teams as well. There's video clips and highlights I'm always looking at, just trying to soak in all the knowledge like a sponge. And the question I have, I don't know if you could help me with this, and I know this is the worst year to ask for this, and I'm going to have to wait till next year, but – What's the best way to go about trying to get press passes? Uh, I would probably, I mean, probably, probably email the team, like the team's media department. Um, I got to tell you right now, though, like blogs and podcasts, uh, I think they still have a ways to go before, you know, they're accepted, especially on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, look, my my belief is the worst someone can say is no. So it never hurts to ask. But yeah, I would go through, uh, you know, individual team and their and their media department, their communications department. Okay, thank you so much. Absolutely, and I'll I'll definitely be trying to do the same thing down here with uh, football games if I'm still allowed to do that. So. So I think we've just about wrapped it up. Yeah. I want to thank you for everything. Thank and- you so much, Justin. Check us out on Grunt Talks and look at some of the stuff we're doing. And we really appreciate your time. You gave us a lot of great advice. This was really fun. So I'm going to edit some of this. I'm gonna, we're going to put out a full podcast. I'll have some video clips as well. But it's probably going to wait till tomorrow, I think. I think it'll be nice because there'll be some empty space, especially since we're not playing. And it's going to take some time to do the edits. But I'll definitely keep you posted as to when that happens. And I did just message Ruko, so we're already working. <laughs> Awesome, man. Uh, yeah, keep me posted. Uh, it was great, great talking to you guys. Appreciate the time. Thank you so much, Justin. Have a good night. Take care, guys. Yep. So. Thank you.
All right, that was pretty fun. That was fun. That was definitely fun. That was awesome. You're a good guy. Yep, that was good. So we're going to edit this all, and then we'll be on our way. And I'll hit, I'll hit you up in a bit. I'm going to get going.